This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. This is season four, episode 10, or episode 58 overall. Um, If you want to count all the episodes, that's where I get the 58. Some people like to count that way. You know, you're welcome because you never know who it's going to help. You're welcome. Um, Okay, sorry, moving on. (laughs) Today's episode is the dad's episode, which I know you guys love. So I'm really excited to introduce you to my guest. But again, this is going to be the last you'll hear from me because I always let my husband do the dad's episode because I feel like it's a really good, authentic conversation between dudes. And I love being able to provide that for you guys. So um, if you haven't listened to season three, episode one with Angela Braniff, this is her husband. So this is CR Braniff, and he is from This Gathered nest. They are the coolest family. So CR is a dad of seven, and he recently stepped away from a 12-plus year career in corporate America to join his wife, Angie, to help run their social media business. Um, He's used to living their adoption life out loud, and I'm so excited that he was down to chat with Brian about where dads fit into all this, you know, where their hearts are, their roles are, their emotions are, all of it. Um, Before we jump in, I want to say, so Wally Vaughn, you never stepped forward to claim your prize for my rate and review giveaway. So Katie Belt, you are the official new winner. Um, So reach out to me and I'll get you your Target gift card to thank you for helping the show out in such a pivotal way. I really appreciate it when you guys do that. It just bumps us up in the ratings and I love, love, love reading your reviews and what you think. Um, so don't forget to sign up for emails. That's at theadoptivemompodcast.com slash email. You're going to get one from me every Monday morning. It's going to have links directly to the episode, a little note from me, some photos, and lots of other fun stuff. And I'm only building out, so you definitely want to be a part of it. Um, also join the Facebook community. So it's the Adoptive Mom community over on Facebook. It's not just for moms. If you're a listener of the show, you are welcome to join us. We have lots of good conversations and... Again, you definitely want to be a part. So that's all I have for you. Let's jump into Brian and CR. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Adoptive Mom podcast. I am not an adoptive mom. I am not Alex Fitton, as you probably noticed. I am Brian Fitton. I'm the husband of the awesome Alex Fitton. And today, I get the pleasure to, of interviewing C.R. Braniff. Um, say what's up, C.R. Hey, what's going on? Hey, so excited to have you and honored that you want to join us on the podcast. Obviously, your wife was interviewed, and that episode people just absolutely love. So you you have a, a, an expectation to live up to, though. You know, she, she sets the bar pretty high. It makes it very hard on me. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> very excited to be here. Um, Angie spoke very highly of the, the conversation that she and Alex had. And, you know, I think this is a, this is a type of discussion that um, needs to be had, you know, mm. as a dad, we need to kind of build that community too. So I think this is going to be a good vehicle to get some of those thoughts and mm-hmm. kind of heartstrings out there a little bit. So 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we can kind of go into that, but that's, that's exactly why we, we were joking before we started recording that I get, I get one episode, um, to, uh, and I got to make it count. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. So, but it is, a, it's a very, very important conversation, especially when you're dealing with fatherhood in general, but then also on top of that, um, an adoptive father, and that just changes the whole landscape and how you interact with your kids, but being called to that, that higher, higher level is, it's definitely important to encourage those other guys. So that's the reason we do this. So um, first off, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, kind of introduce us to your family? Yeah, yeah, gladly. So um, again, my name is C.R. Braniff. I'm married to Angela Braniff. She is a, um, she hates it when I use this term, but she's a, she's a social media influencer, mm, if yeah. that's a thing. Um, <laughs> so we together, we, we run a, a YouTube channel called This Gathered Nest. Um, we have seven kids in total. Um, we have two biological daughters named Kennedy and Shelby, who are 12 and 10. And then we have um, our, ironically, our oldest daughter, or I should say our oldest adopted daughter is Rosie, who's seven. And then we have um, our oldest son is Noah, who is seven, who was adopted from um, the DRC. And then we have Jonah, who was um, we adopted via domestic adoption here in the U.S. And then Bringing us home um, about a year and a half ago, we had a set of twin girls named Ivy and Amelia um, via embryo adoption. So we've kind of dabbled, if you will, in you know a, a lot of different types of adoption. Um, but yeah, so it kind of makes things interesting around here. That's awesome. That's the, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's so. First off, that's a lot of kids. So uh, yeah, I lose track. Of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people kind of when we when we talk about ours because we have four, um, having the the teenager is seventeen and then three toddlers, and so people kind of freak out about our story. Like, oh my goodness, that's well. First off, that's so many toddlers, but then also to have a teenager, and I was like, well, the toddlers and teenager, it's about the same in in like instruction. We're like, don't do that, don't touch right. that, stop doing that, you know. Um, but to obviously have seven, is that right? total yeah wow that's awesome so you know anything after three it all just kind of runs around (laughs) a a zone a pretty heavy zone defense but yeah you're outnumbered yeah you're just kind of posting up that's absolutely right um so the the biological you have two biological they're the oldest correct correct yeah okay okay that's awesome well tell us a little bit about your story and how you guys got into this where where it came from where you guys met a little bit and and kind of give us a rundown um, so Angie and I, we go back to middle school. Um, I remember we always joke around, you know, I, I saw her for the first time in a little pizza shop near our hometown and, uh, told my best friend at the time who I was with, I'm like, I, who is this? I, I need to meet her. Um, you know, after kind of hanging out a little bit, I, I was pretty, I was pretty determined to, uh, you know, kind of sink my meat hooks into her. If you will, <laughs> it took a long time. Um, you know, we were friends all through high school and we finally ended up started dating about junior, senior year of high school and, um, pretty much been together ever since. Um, I think early on in our marriage, we both knew that, you know, adoption was something that we wanted to pursue. Um, but you know, with most big decisions, I think timing was kind of the, the variable that we really didn't know about. And, um, I think through the early parts of our marriage, we had our, our, our two girls, um, Angie struggled with 
hyperemesis with both of those pregnancies. And so she, she doesn't do pregnancy very well. And I think that was really kind of the catalyst that said, you know what, we knew we wanted to grow our family. Um, you know, with how sick Angie got being pregnant, we knew that, you know, that was something that we wanted to take off the table and, and really kind of moved us more aggressively into the adoption space. And so around 2011 is when we adopted our, our first son, Noah from the DRC. Um, he came home in 2012. Shortly after that um, was when we uh, adopted Jonah from uh, the States here. And, you know, in, in all these stories, there's, you know, miracles along the way that kind of helped a, a lot of the stuff happen. And I think that's why from a social media standpoint, people are kind of drawn to some of the stories that we, that we have to tell mm. and um, just some cool things, man, some real God things that happened to, you know, on un- the way things unfolded was pretty cool. Um, again, and then lastly, I think, uh, Rosie was, uh, our last international adoption. She's a um, little girl from China. Um, she does have down syndrome, which is just, ah, it's amazing, uh, amazing mm-hmm. being able to kind of watch her grow and blossom and just kind of fit into our family the way, the way she has. It's, it's pretty, um, pretty cool to watch. Um, I think that was 2000 and maybe 15. I think that the dates are starting to blend in there a little bit, but, um, yeah, so we brought Rosie home in 2015, I believe, and then had the twins in 2017. So that's kind of a, a rundown of the last 12 years in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Um, that just a is... whirlwind of diapers and adoption. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I hear you there. So you guys have a, a healthy mix of everything. Um, and that's, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Uh, but really it's, it is kind of a, you have a, a, a racial barrier that you're kind of overcoming, obviously a high yeah. needs barrier that you're overcoming. Um, tell us, so we, we had kind of put out some questions ahead of time. So mm-hmm. uh, the adoptive mom community, they have a Facebook group and I know that uh, several people are connected there. So there was a lot of people that were asking questions, especially around dads and supporting adoptive dads. Sure. Um, so some of the questions that we got, um, one kind of hit on was how do you, how are you as a father really helping maybe the non high needs kids interact with Rosie yeah. um, and making sure she's included, making sure she's felt, you know, a part of it, but how yeah. are they like playing with each other? I mean, that's, this is all new to me too. So um, no, that's a good, good question. So a, a lot of it I think is done um, through modeling. You know, I think with, with Rosie, gosh, man, we were, we're, we're very lucky. Um, Rosie is incredibly intelligent. I think, uh, a majority of the barriers that we work through with her are language related. Mm-hmm. Um, she can understand, I would say, 90 to 95% of what we can communicate to her. Reciprocating that communication is where we run into some troubles, right? Mm-hmm. Her being able to articulate some some elements. But um, for the most part, you know, we can give her four, five level instructions. You know, take your cup, put it in the sink, then throw your plate in the garbage, mm-hmm. and then and then and then yeah and she'll do them she'll run through the list and knock it out and so um i think our older kids um i understand you know kind of see that and end up modeling uh, you know kind of that that similar behavior so being able to play games outside um it's very natural that you know rosie's a part of that because they expect her to um kind of fit into the mold and Mm -hmm. and that's where we want you know we wanted to set the bar high you know what I mean? With, with all of our kids, I think, 
being able setting setting a low expectations for your kids um, may feel warm and fuzzy, but mm-hmm. it's you end up getting into kind of that the, what I call the flea trainer mentality. I don't know <laughs> if you're I'm if you played a... sports before, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a baseball coach that said, you know, if you stick a bunch of fleas in a coffee can and you put the lid on the coffee can, the fl- fleas can jump like several feet in the air, but over yeah. the course of time, if the lids on it, they're going to jump up and down and continually train themselves to only jump six to eight inches. Mm-hmm. And so the minute you take that lid off, the fleas won't jump as high anymore. And so yeah. that's kind of how we approached it with Rosie was making sure that to, you know, understanding the, the limitations, but at the same time, um, not expecting less of her, letting mm-hmm. her determine, um, you know, where some of those boundaries are. And I think our, our other kids have kind of caught on to that. That's awesome. So. Yeah, Yeah, hopefully that that answered it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, especially if you can, like what you said, kind of set those expectations with her. I mean, kids naturally observe, and then they naturally learn through that. So I think that's that's actually great advice. Um, So let's shift a little bit to to your marriage, right? And as sad as it is, and I mean, we we have real talk on this on Alex. (laughs) I mean, she she has real talk. I say we do. She has real talk on these episodes. But Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that for me. As an adopted dad, I've seen so many in our community, um, specifically fathers who get into this world and they're and all of a sudden it just becomes so much. Right. And it's like, I didn't sign up for this. This is so much stress and pressure and high needs kids. And we're dealing with trauma and we're dealing with, you know, um, even even father expectations from the kids. I mean, there's just so much. And I've seen even people in our community kind of fall off and become disengaged and pull back. And this is just the mom's job. Right. And I as that happens, obviously, the marriage starts to, to have resentment issues. starts yeah, to build up. Yeah, absolutely. So from your experience, I mean, especially having the kids, I mean, you guys do so much together and I, it's, it's I, honestly super inspiring to watch, but how have you kept, kept your just marriage as front and center, making sure that you're, you know, yeah. keeping her front of mind and you guys are making, you know, doing self checks to, to kind of keep, keep up. Um, yeah. so that way you're there for your kids. Oh, it's, it's, certainly hard um you know time is the biggest commodity in our house with with seven kids running around and you know both of us work from home to a certain extent um you know every every minute counts and i think being intentional with your time and making sure that you know i'm there for angie in ways that she needs me it's not ways that i think she needs me um and so being really observant to you know, how she operates, what her strengths are, what, um, what my strengths are and feeding into those. Um, I think having a, a, a strong foundation with our marriage is something that is going to, it keeps it all together. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I know, if I know that Angie, um, you know, if I can see and, and, and start to feel that her anxiety is high or she's at a, she's at a place where her tank is empty. Um, kick her out of the house, you know, Mm -hmm. go get your nails done, do something, decompress a little bit. Um, and you know, when, when her cup's full, she can pour that into all of us. And the same goes, um, with me as well. I think when she sees that she'll, she'll say the same thing, man, go exercise some demons, go golfing, go take some (laughs) batting practice, whatever it is I do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, she's cognizant of those. And I, I think we need to, we need to lift each other up in those manners. Absolutely. Yeah. There's been a few times I'll walk in and I'm, I'm like, all right, 
go upstairs, take a bath, grab a glass of wine, a good book. Yeah, yeah. Like I've got, I've got dinner. I've got bedtime. Yeah. And absolutely. you know what, what plays into that too, Brian, I think, and especially in today's society is, um, you know, gender roles, you know, you know what I mean? Between mm. being a dad and being willing to come home and say, you know what, I live here too. It's not, it's not my wife's job to keep mm. the house clean or do the dishes or change diapers or do bedtime. It's, taking some ownership and running our household and making sure that, you know, it's like, like I said, I live here too. And mm-hmm. if I want some dishes done, I'm just going to do them. And Angie's the same way. So it, it, we feed off of each other, I think pretty well. That's fantastic. Yeah. We're, you're both 100% parents. There's not a 50, right, yeah. 50, there's not. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I, I think I even, my father was a great example of kind of just being very involved in housework and it doesn't matter what it is, you know, it's our house and we do it together. But, um, I never wanted to be the dad that came home, sat down, watched TV and that was it for the rest of the night, you know, but being, being intentional and being involved. That's awesome. Um, okay. So kind of moving into just some, just some different, um, areas, but are you guys, so you guys have dealt with international adoption. Um, so what were kind of some, maybe some things that maybe some people should look out for? Cause we get a lot of people that are yeah. obviously looking at adopting or fostering right now and, and trying and doing that potential adoption, but there are a lot of international questions. What were, mm-hmm. what was kind of the process that you guys experienced with that? Oh man. So, uh, experienced two different international adoptions. Um, the first of which was, uh, through the DRC with, with Noah, so the Democratic Republic of Congo, um, and then with Rosie's adoption through China, and one just completely different experiences, completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, when, when you're the DRC was a place, you know, several years ago that, um, well, it's actually it's still a pretty. I don't want to use the word hostile, but. The infrastructure from a government standpoint, the regulatory involvement, um, it's night and day compared to China. Hmm. And so processes tend to get expedited or slowed down. Um, You know, there's different different struggles, I guess, is the best way to put it. And so location does matter when it when it comes to international adoption. The the country that you're interacting with and the agency that you're working through um, definitely play a part in how quickly processes can move or how efficient, I guess, is mm-hmm. another way to put it. And I know, you know, Angie shared a little bit, I think, of, her, of some of her experiences um, in the Congo, but not all. I think there's some mm-hmm. stories that I think she's going to be telling through her through a book that she's um, that she's writing. Oh, awesome. And it, it's just different barriers. Yeah, you know, the, there's reason that I get I get asked this question as a lot is why, why does adoption cost so much? Right. And, and some of that is because it, it's a very, very risky process. There's so many people involved. And in order to do it ethically, um, you know, certain things need to be done and, and that, that costs money. And so mm-hmm. I get the cost aspect. Um, and so there's there's situations where, you know, making sure that you're you're involved with agencies that are that are ethical and doing things the right way. Um drive some of that expense. And in some cases it's, it needs to be there. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have some of that stuff actually here with, um, so Alex's mother, um, has helped found our, a, uh, 
nonprofit that helps kind of with legal expenses and stuff like that for for birth mothers because a lot of times, especially Marshallese yeah. birth birth mothers, kind of get run over in that process. Yep. And there are a lot of people doing some kind of shady stuff to make it cheaper, you know, mm-hmm. um, in that adoption process. So that's it's definitely a need for that, and that's understandable. Is <laughs> you're not you pay for what you get, but you will definitely want to make sure it's all done according to the book that you're being yeah. front. And if that costs more, um, I know it saves a lot of headache on the back end too. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough problem. You know, it's, there was a documentary we saw several years ago called both ends burning. I don't hmm. know if you guys have seen that movie, no, no. Um, but it talks about kind of a candle and how one end there's this huge need for, um, you know, the foster community to step up or mm-hmm. adoption, you know, to, there's an orphan crisis to, yeah. to say it bluntly. And then on the other side of that candle, you have, you know, a lot of hearts who are called to adoption and really wanting to, but the barriers that are in between, um, are, are pretty high, right? Yeah. It's, it's, un- it's people who, who take advantage of the situation. You got child trafficking, you've got money to be made by, you know, somebody. So mm-hmm. it gets, it gets watered down. So it's ways to really kind of peel through some of those issues and try and attack them ethically and, and make sure that um, the kids are at the center of it and, and getting what they need. So pretty good movie if you, if you get a chance to, to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I'll, I'll say this real quick. I think it was on one of your stories a while back on Instagram. Um, by the way, you guys need to follow CR if you haven't already. He's, he's pretty, <laughs> some pretty funny stuff. But the uh, one of your stories, so it was Ask Me Anything, and somebody said, why did you um, – go to to drc before china or something like that and your answer was great it was like well that's where my kids were it was like and that's i love that ownership of it i love that answer because we that that gets asked out in the community it's like well which ones are yours you're like well they're all mine like taking that so but anyway um so when i when we go back to um, even this kind of as a dad and leading, leading your family, you're obviously a guy of faith. Um, how are you making sure to spend individual time with each kid, making sure that you obviously pour into them that love and that care, yeah. because you do have quite a few, obviously at different levels. <laughs> um, and also it, and I kind of, this may be a second part to that question, but you know, making the bio kids cause your kid, your bio kids are older. So making sure that they don't feel left out, that they don't feel, you know, like, hey, dad's focusing all his attention, you know, on on these other kids. So what's what's uh, what's kind of your advice for for dads in that situation? So I think, you know, knowing your kids and what their interests are is is vital. Right. Mm -hmm. It's um, you know, I know my oldest daughters um, love horseback riding and another one loves dance. And so it's taking, you know, it that intentional motivation again and being able to say, um, you know, just have a conversation with Kennedy. If it's something that that's that day, that's all is needed. If it's 10 minutes to talk about horses and I know nothing about Mm. horses, but she knows (laughs) it all. And so it's talking about breeds and colors or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, I, I think being able to pour into them and, 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 uh, support their interests certainly does matter. Um, same approach with, with our, our younger kids. Now it's a little bit more demanding and a little bit more difficult now because we have the twins home. And so, you know, they're, no, you know, they, yeah. they require a, a lot of Angie <laughs> and, and I, but it's the little moments, man. I think at the end of the day, it's not, you don't need to, to set aside a full day and, and 
go to, I don't know, go to a movie with, with one of your kids and, and check the box, right? Mm -hmm. It's the little moments around bedtime. Like a, a great example is, you know, we've got a bedtime, a bedtime routine with, uh, our, our three middle kids and every night with my boys, they want to watch a six minute video of Donald Duck for whatever reason they love Donald Duck. <laughs> so I'll pull up my phone and I'll sit there in bed with them. And, um, you know, after we've, you know, dressed in PJs and done teeth brushing and, and red, we'll sit there and watch Donald Duck for six minutes and I'll mm. throw my arms around them. And it's just those moments where I know, um, they're going to remember little things like that and, and mm. they're going to feel loved. And I think that's where, um, that's where you get the payout for the investment and time and being intentional with it. Right. It's when you, you know, when they're feeling loved mm. and you've got to, you've got to put your best foot forward and, and really try and set aside the time to, to do that. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Th I would say, I mean, that's, we, we do, we do the movie thing because it's fun, like once a year birthday type stuff, but you're absolutely right. It's, I've learned those individual, especially with us, we have toddlers. So sitting down, reading a book, kind of going through, you know, just that, yeah. that one-on-one -on -one time means more to them. And I, honestly, as a dad, and I say this as an, a dad coming in, you're tired, yeah. coming from work or whatever. And yeah. it's like, Hey, let's read one more book. Let's read one more book. And it just, you know, it's the endless <laughs> books. Um, but you can, I think you're right. Kind of knowing your kid individually, there's a point where it's like, I've been gone for the past few days. I've been traveling a lot. And so coming back in my oldest, he was like, Hey, I, let's read this book. And most of the time I said, like, well, you know, we've already read one book or we've already read three, but I could tell he was needing that, you know, yeah. just like dad time. And so I think being aware of that and I was exhausted, but I don't, I don't want to look back and regret not having that extra, just, you know, three minutes or whatever it was that just uh, yeah. set him at ease. He was able to go to bed peacefully. I mean, it's, it's definitely big. And um, it's different per kid too. I think the mm -hmm. more, you know, the more you, you really get down into the weeds of it, um, you know, they're little people. And so mm -hmm. they're all wired differently, but not all of them, um, you know, want to be loved the same way. You mm -hmm. know, my second oldest daughter, Shelby, um, loves to talk, man. She will talk a thousand miles an hour. It's hilarious. <laughs> and sometimes like I get, I catch myself just getting zoned out because she'll just keep going, but I love her to death. And I know that ways for me to, to, you know, show her that I love her is to give her my, my attention and truly listen to what she's saying. Mm -hmm. Even if it's like 47 run on sentences in a row about <laughs> 37 different topics, that's mm -hmm. what she needs from me that day is to, is to know that I'm listening to her and she's being heard. And, you know, being kind of a, a middle child that she is, mm -hmm. that's important to her. You know what I mean? There's an element there that goes beyond um, uh, just being the, the, the father of her. She needs to know that she's being listened to yeah. and, you know, things like that. So know your kids' personality types, know what their interests are. And I think being able to, to feed into those is, is what will certainly help. All right, guys, sorry to jump into all this dude talk, but I have to remind you guys about my super exclusive discount code with Restoration Threads. So I've been talking about Restoration Threads all month here on the podcast, but I'm going to talk about them some more because they're that awesome. So they're a company, they make clothing, mainly t-shirts that promotes foster care and adoption with what they say. They're really well designed. I'm wearing one like as we speak. It's super soft and comfortable and you need a t-shirt like this in your life. So on top of all of that, they choose a different foster care or adoption organization every month to just promote like crazy all over social media. And then on top of it, at the end of the month, they take a huge portion of the proceeds, like way more than most organizations donate. And they just give it to the organization. 
they're so awesome they're doing really cool things and y'all we just need to like support the crap out of these people let's do it so go to the adoptive mom podcast.com slash restoration threads and use the code adoptive mom 20 like all one word all caps the number two o adoptive mom 20 to get 20 percent off your entire purchase not just one t-shirt like your whole purchase so let's do that right now press pause on the podcast hop over there buy yourself some t-shirts and then jump back in with brian and cr which is what we're doing right now Let's kind of jump into a little bit of even some of what you guys do on a day-to-day basis because obviously it's not okay. normal um, to have a YouTube <laughs> channel. You know, you know yeah. what I mean. Like uh, in this world, I'm I'm kind of in that. You're in that. So it's one of those things where um, what's it? What is it like to kind of live your adoption journey, your family journey in the public mm-hmm. eye? I mean, you guys have quite a few subscribers on Instagram and it's, and it, is, it probably has nothing to do with you and all to do with your wife, but, uh, so true. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, talk about that. Kind of maybe some steps that you guys okay. have taken to make, you know, obviously you, you have some protection around that, but also what you yeah. want to share, uh, with what you guys are doing. So, um, I'll, I'll go back a little bit further. I think, you know, I recently just came home. I recently retired from my corporate America job last, nice. um, last October. Yeah. October 31st was, was my last day. Congrats. Um, I spent 13 years in risk management for a bank. Mm-hmm. Um, the last two of those years I ran, um, a, a social media component for the bank. And so, you know, I've got, I've got some experience formally in that, in the social media industry, but Angie's been doing this since, probably 2011, 2012. Um, it started out just kind of as a hobby. Ironically enough, she was, she's very entrepreneur, entrepreneurial. (laughs) Always struggle with that word. Um, always has been, she has grown businesses. She was a photographer at one point. She was a newborn photographer. And then the time commitment, um, got a little bit out of hand. And so she kind of transitioned into YouTube and at at the beginning, I think, um, her channel was, was based off of, kind of mommy tips, makeup, lifestyle stuff. And mm. as she began creating that content, you know, we were growing our family behind the scenes, right? We were, you know, uh, going through the adoption processes. And I think as the audience start to kind of see what was going on, there became an, an interest in, in, you know, what was going on back there. It's mm-hmm. like, wait a second, is that, is that a little black kid running around? <laughs> yeah, it is. All right. So they began to ask questions. And so, um, you know, audience knowing what your audience wants is pretty critical any anytime you're you're creating anything and you know we saw these platforms as um a, a vehicle to build community around adoption i mean mm-hmm. that's that's really what we're trying to do we're trying to show people that you know families look different they come in different sizes they operate differently but at the end of the day it can still work if, if love is really at the at the center of everything you're trying mm-hmm. to do. And so that's really the platform that we build all of our, our social media um, pieces around. And, you know, you're right. There's there's definitely some some risks with it. Um, there's privacy concerns and stuff like that. But, you know, we do I think her and I both do a pretty good job around setting boundaries around some of the, the areas that we'll discuss or get into. Um, and that's for our, our our children's sake, you know, we're not going to go too deep into, um, any of their, um, their particular adoption stories. Like we've never, we've never Mm -hmm. shared, um, 
you know, the backstory for Noah or Jonah or Rosie, you know, yeah. when they're of age and, you know, can fully kind of grapple and tangle with some of those issues themselves, you know, that's, that's their story to tell. Absolutely. So what, what we share is really from when they came home on or our experiences in going through the adoption process. And so, um, it's been a wild ride. I couldn't, you know, I, I'd be lying if I told you 10 years from now, I would be sitting in an RV, um, <laughs> with our, our primary revenue being social media. Um, mm-hmm. just didn't definitely didn't forecast that, but it's certainly been a blessing. And I think the, the best payout we've seen from it has been, um, the community that, that we've built and seeing that, you know, some hearts have been changed or maybe turned on to adoption and, mm-hmm. um, or some of the agencies that we've worked with reaching out and saying, Hey, you know, you, you've, you've shared about, um, sponsoring children. And all of a sudden we had 50 kids sponsored this month. Wow! And so oh. it, it's, it's so, it's so cool to watch that stuff and yeah. see, see those pieces coming, come into the fold. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that's that's huge right there. And being able to take a platform and obviously impact the hearts of the hearts of people, that's amazing. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so if you're if you're listening to this on the and I actually on your podcast app, I would highly encourage you to jump over and watch the video of CR right now because he's in his RV. He's hanging <laughs> out. <laughs> he's kind of kind of hiding out a little bit to do this interview with us, which we appreciate. But um, yeah, so what what is the RV? I heard you guys are going to be traveling oh, the countryside yeah. now. So uh, Angie and I have a motto. Um, we've had this uh, this motto for the last few years now, but. We, we tell each other that, you know, we're, we're better together. And so mm-hmm. any anything that we can do around mm-hmm. um, our professional lives or our family life, things just work better when we're doing it together. And so when we made the decision for me to come home full time and kind of take my corporate skills and, and pour them into, you know, our, our social media business, mm-hmm. um, the, the goal behind that was to just spend more time together. And so a part of that ambition was to buy an RV. Um, actually it's a, it's a travel trailer and just kind of travel, just see the world. Um, you know, we, we've, we spent a lot of time on YouTube and so there's a lot of families that helped, um, kind of inspire us and just, you know, we've seen the impact it can have on bringing families closer together, getting rid of a lot of the the noise, I mm. think, of of normal society and pouring that into each other and doing it in places that we want to experience together. So that's that's the goal. Um, I have never pulled anything besides a lawnmower on a trailer <laughs> before, so I am extremely nervous. Um, yeah. I'm like the least manly guy I know, so this is going to be. Um, this is going to be crazy. That's it's, it's, awesome. Yeah, and and what's cool is we're gonna we're gonna share it on YouTube. So we're gonna bring our audience along and share the highs and lows and mm-hmm. just kind of um, bring them along for the crazy. That's awesome. Well, I don't know, man. You're uh, you're definitely definitely not the non manliest. I I forget the phrase you said. I, my wife teases me all the time. She's like, "You're not handy at all." I'm like, "I don't build things. I don't." I mean, I think as digital guys, you know, it's like we 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 can do stuff on a computer all day long or on yeah. a camera, but it's like, how do I cut this and make it fit? And you know, right. yeah, I hang it's out with fear, those guys. No, you want to know what it is? So you're uh, a three, also Enneagram, right? Yes, it, yes. It's the it's the fear of failure, and so I am oh. so timid at stepping into something that I think I'm not going to be good at, mm-hmm. that I'll just avoid it. Yep. When the reality is, you know, be, you know, we bought our, our house here seven years ago. It was the first time we, we bought a place. 
um, I was so terrified to just start like ripping stuff up and, and renovating or fixing plumbing because I didn't want to make it worse. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I just need to get in there and do it. And I failed a lot, uh-huh. but I've grown from it. And so yeah. I've learned those lessons along the way. Um, and I think this RV is going to be a little bit of that too because yeah. we are going to run into problems. It's it's bound to happen. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I just can't be afraid of it. So that's we'll awesome. That's awesome. There's a, uh, this reminded me real quick of an episode of Portlandia. I don't know if you know the show. <laughs> Love but, it. Yeah. yeah. So there was one where he's like, Oh, I had, I know this handcrafted guy who does all these amazing furniture and this reclaimed wood and all this stuff. And then it shows it and it's like this halfway nailed thing together. <laughs> like it does. I'm like, if I attempted to make furniture, like we all want to be Ron Swanson, but we're definitely yeah. not. So, but. so true. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey, um, let's kind of finish up a little bit here real quick. If you have just some advice to adoptive dads to jump in and, you know, what is something if a guy's struggling right now, he's like, man, this is so much, you know, I, I was all in up front, but it's just kind of weighing me down. So what are, what is some, something yeah. you can say to him right now? Oh, um, I would say just because it's hard, it's doesn't mean it's bad. I guess is, is the best way to put it. I think we it, we often get so weighed down with the responsibility of being an invested father that we beat ourselves up and showing yourself a little bit of grace and, and being able to step outside of yourself a little bit and say, you know what? Yes, things are hard. It's a season in life. Um, the payout is not tomorrow. It's not next week. Maybe it's a year from now. And just making sure you stay present because your, your kids need it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you, this is kind of off topic, but have you encountered um, any type of with your kids, like dealing with trauma and stuff like that and kind of being a father, maybe they had a father figure and you're kind of, yeah. you know, jumping in. How, how have you handled that? Mm-hmm. So it, it manifests itself in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you have children that, um, you know, have gone through a traumatic experience, I think, you know, to, I'll, I'll give you an example here. So, Noah, um, you know, he was about a year old by the time we, we brought him home from the DRC. So we spent a, mm-hmm. a year in the orphanage in, in Africa. You know, there was an element there where the, the orphanage wasn't, you know, didn't wasn't a great orphanage. I'll, I'll just lay it out there. So there were days where food was scarce, etc. And Noah's seven now, and he will out eat me. Wow. Like, well, he'll sit down at the table and he will go slice of pizza for slice of pizza with this 35 year old guy. <laughs> and so you look at that and you you think, wow, he's just a growing boy, but there's an emotional attachment to food. And mm-hmm. it comes from that early nine month period where there wasn't always food to eat. Right. So dealing with, and I just identifying those different types of, of trauma that might manifest themselves in different ways helps you, um, navigate the terrain mm-hmm. after you recognize it but you've got to be you got to have your eyes open you got to you know kind of see some of those those triggers for a lack of a better word and kind of understand them for what they are and that's going to that's going to better equip you as a dad to know what the best way is to to deal with those types of things and so um in the example i just gave with noah you know he, again there's an emotional attachment to food that's deeper rooted in something else and yeah. so you know, in, and when he was in school, it was letting his teachers know, you know, hey, this is kind of the situation that we're working with here. Just be cognizant of it mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, give yourself the tools to, to navigate that. Yeah, no, that's that's great advice. And those those things, even if they're 
a, a small experience, but it's traumatic enough. It takes yeah. years for that stuff to break. I mean, we've yeah. we've definitely. I mean, we've adopted out of foster care, and and I mean, just even two weeks for our for our youngest and in, in the NICU. I mean, we're still kind of overcoming some of that stuff. It's crazy. Know? And so, yeah. Um, yeah, food is definitely a big one. And I would say, I mean, any foster parent out there understands that any adoptive parent that's had that is it's definitely a big deal. Um, yeah. And so, read, 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 read. This is yes. something that is so important, you guys, for continuing education. I love it. I love, you know, just trying to get better at different things. But this is a big one. Um, you know, pour yourself into understanding childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important because you're, you're more than likely going to experience it in some capacity. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you don't experience it, I mean, there's obviously somebody else out there. So being empathetic to that situation yeah. too. Good call. Oh man. I'm telling you since, well, becoming a parent one, but then also an adoptive parent, my empathy has <laughs> for other parents yeah. and other people. I mean, it's just a, not judging now, you know, That's right. it's easy to judge ahead of time, especially when a kid's screaming in, in Walmart or Target, <laughs> you're like, just take the kid out. What are you doing? But now yeah. understanding that situation. Oh, oh my goodness. It's, it's just want to give him a hug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're in this together. We're in this together. Right. So speaking of like community wise, so how can somebody get plugged in? Is there any communities that you recommend or you guys, you know, especially around the adoption, um, foster care world, like how can somebody find a community to plug into? Oh man, you've got to be, and you know, you got to go, you got to get out there and take some risks. I think, you know, whether I'm an extrovert mm-hmm. by, I think just, uh, that's how I'm wired. So I love meeting new people. I'm not afraid to kind of dip my toe in the water and be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, you know, taking those steps, whether it's Facebook, on social media, joining some groups, asking questions, um, getting involved in your local community. There's so many, so many awesome organizations that are out there that not only support adoption, but foster care communities, um, nonprofits that support foster families. Yeah. And being a part of those conversations and um, and hearing some of the real life stories, I think, that, that's pivotal. You know, yeah. the, the, the brain is wired for story. And if you can, um, be a part of some of those, it's going to move you. It's going to change your heart. It's going to change how you treat people. It's going to change how, um, you view the world and you know, who, who doesn't want that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, absolutely. I think, I think it's, it's just taking some of those risks and, and putting yourself out there a little bit. Yeah. And I, I think it's especially hard for guys to do that. Right. I mean, we just so we, prideful. Dude. We, yeah, yeah seriously. Well, especially even that first step of like, I am having, I'm having problems. Like I'm just struggling. I'm just, you know, just being that first step is what is it? Admittance or admitting, being able to admit that, yeah. like, um, that just opens up a world. And I will say, even for me, it's kind of like, you just want to portray that everything's all put together and everything is and to, nobody has it nobody. all together. Yeah, exactly. I've got a, I'm, I'm, I'm hiding in my RV for a reason <laughs> right now. My house is chaos and <laughs> it's okay to say that. Yeah. Right? It's okay. You know, our kids are alive. They're happy. They're healthy and they're loved. Mm-hmm. My house is messy and yeah. that, that happens and that's okay. Well, I think being authentic in this, I mean, you guys are obviously doing that online and, and that, that mm-hmm. in itself um, brings healing to other people, I'm sure too. So, but, um, yeah. So c- tell us where we can connect with you guys a little bit more. Tell us exactly, you know, how to, yeah. how to stay up with the Brana family. Cool. So I, I guess the, the best way is probably through our YouTube channel. It's called This Gathered Nest. 
Um, yeah. That's our, our family channel. And then my wife, Angela, has uh, she just started her own channel recently. It's I think it's just Angela Braniff on mm-hmm. YouTube. Um, and then on Instagram, uh, Angie runs our, our family account as well. It's called This Gathered Nest. And then mine is at CR underscore Braniff. I think those are the, the probably the best mediums to keep up with our crazy crew. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Are you open to people reaching out if they have guys have questions or anything like that? Oh, please. Yeah. I mean, I, I do it all the time. And yeah. so it's, it's, you know, people that, you know, I look up to or, you know, met online and you know, want to bounce something off of them. Please do. I, I love, love those types of conversations. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Hey, thanks so much, CR. Seriously, this has been fantastic wealth of knowledge. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, I feel like, I, I did okay. What did I do okay? You did, you just, did awesome, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, you, we need to we need to lobby Alex for more than one episode yes. a year. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll go to bat for you. So. I appreciate that. I appreciate That's that awesome. so and I, much. And I like so. your sign back there, by the way. Too. Yeah, I need to tell you that the letterboard is money. That's right. That's right. I, I will <laughs> say. So I I threw out some cheesy ones, and she was like, "No." I was like, hey, "Due to adopt." That works absolutely. So, <laughs> the pink is not really my thing, but I'm 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 getting used to it. I like it. You know, it's okay. It's okay. But hey, thanks so much again, and you guys make sure to check them out on YouTube and Instagram. Connect with them if you're an adoptive dad. I I encourage you. I implore you to make sure to connect with other guys in this space. We're all going through the same things. We're all dealing with the same stuff. So, please make sure you reach out, connect with somebody um, to uh, to walk this journey with you. So. Um, CR, thanks so much, man. Have a great day. Brian, appreciate it. Thanks again. Thank you so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.